sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got any questions for us about today's episodes, episode, sorry, um, or ideas for future episodes, please feel free to contact us. The best way to do that is either to email us. The email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet to us at sfdiocese. Use, use the hashtag ignition. Again, SF Diocese, hashtag Ignition, if you want to tweet to us on Twitter. How does that sound to you, Father? Uh, it sounds like you still can't quite say hashtag. I have a problem with SF Diocese hashtag. I don't know why what happens, but I do. What can I say? <laughs> Humble thyself in the sight of the... Oh, anyway, I shouldn't sing. So, Father, how are you? Better than my sins deserve. Excellent. Uh, we are in the last couple of weeks, Father. We were talking about the um, the last things, finishing up the liturgical year. So, first thing I should say is Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you Thank very you. much. Yes, uh, and and we are of course with the in the first week of Advent, new to liturgical year. Um, and Father, we have a new gospel, and that's going to be our topic for today. So, when we're, you were in year, they B- found a new gospel. <laughs> Yeah, the new gospel. The is, gospel of Judas has finally been approved. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 or the you, gospel according to Andrew. I was thinking the the uh, I'm fine, you're fine, we're all okay. Gospel. Oh, the Jonathan Livingston Seagull go- gospel. Go. There we go. Blast from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not what we mean. We're not. That's not what we mean at all. No, we are, uh, as, as uh, you, the listener, may know, um, if you uh, attend uh, Catholic Mass on, on any sort of regular basis, uh, we, we over, the, over the course of the Sundays of the year, we move through three—there's a three-year cycle for our Sunday readings, and we rotate among the Gospels. And so we are in the second year of the cycle, year B, um, and so we are in the— Second gospel that comes, um, the gospel of Saint Mark, right? Yes. Yeah. Starting Saint Mark. So, and and, and the, the reason one not only are we starting Saint Mark with uh, the new liturgical year, but this is also part of our um, uh, new one of our new ongoing occasional series in which Father and I will be looking at uh, the various books of the Bible, beginning with the New Testament. So, a few episodes ago, we looked at the Gospel according to Saint Matthew. So today, we are going to look at the Gospel according to Saint Mark. Um, Father, any before we get into sort of general points about Mark's gospel, just any 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 pre-general <laughs> points by way of introduction, or should we just jump Sub, right into the, it? Are, are these sub-general or pre-general? Per, uh, yes, sure. I don't know. Pre, pre, uh, no, what, whatever you want to do. You, <laughs> your turn to talk, Father. Uh, you know, uh, I uh, um, I like the gospel of Mark. Uh, uh, you know, one thing I've always thought about doing is um, trying to do to memorize the Gospel of Mark sometime. I knew a, a priest who, when he was, wow. a, I think, a high schooler, he did that. Um, um, gosh, I think he, he memorized the Gospel of Mark. And so I just think that'd be a cool thing to do. 
that would be a cool thing to do. And of course, you can do that because it is the shortest. Exactly. I shouldn't say you can do it because it's the shortest. It's still, it's still, I mean, you know, we, we're used to the Bible and it's sort of the standard two column format and so on, the way it's usually published. Um, and at that length, so for the translation I have in front of me, it's comes in at just over 17 pages. That's still a lot to memorize, Father. Well, yeah, but just, I mean, you probably know a lot of these things already. You just got to put them in order. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And, you know, the, the, just to that, to that point in general, you know, the, the, um, in the ancient world, before the printing press, uh, most cultures, uh, pre-literary cultures, were oral. And, and so they memorized all sorts of things, um, lengthy things. Homer's works, the Iliad and the Odyssey, were, were, met, were passed on by memory for, for quite some time before they were written down. So I, I don't, that, we shouldn't be incredulous at, at the idea that somebody could memorize a 17-page document, but, but it still does surprise us, doesn't it? Yeah, and I just love the Gospel of Mark. So are we into general comments now, or are these yeah, pre-general? So no, we're into general. So if we were just already talking about it's the shortest. Um, <laughs> any any commentary on that point? <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, we could as get, the bard said. You know, we we talked about. Um, with Matthew's gospel, when we get into some of the details, you know, who wrote it, who they read it to, and so on. One of the debates, of course, as, as you know, Father, about uh, the gospels is the order in which they were written. And and a lot of scholars today think that, that Mark may have been written first because, because it is the shortest. Now, whether or not that's right, whether that's an argument that actually holds up, the fact remains it is, it is the shortest. And is, as you noted um, in, in our uh, discussion before we started recording, that not only is the shortest, but it's also, I think, relatedly, it's the most intense. Uh, Mark sort of jumps right into the action. Right. It's, there's really no prologue. There's no preamble. There's no warming up. It's it's the exact opposite of ignition. <laughs> because we are all about preamble, uh, small talk, small chat. You know, uh, I sometimes wonder if for those who, uh, if they're not a regular listener, I feel sorry for them because it's like, I have to endure all this to get to anything that's any of good. Substance, and yeah. here they're talking yeah. about the weather for the 100th time. And it's not even the weather of today. It's the weather of sometime in the past when I'm actually listening to this. Exactly. Seriously. What's going on? No, we, we, yeah. we pretty much skipped preamble today following with our subject. You know, Mark's gospel. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, so there's no real prologue to it. And some people have called it uh, a movie script gospel. Meaning? That is because of that intensity and that it jumps right into the action. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's not, (laughs) if you've read lengthy literary works, Father, did you ever finish, I think you did, what were you reading, was it last year you were reading Brothers Karamazov or something? Oh, yeah, I finished that one. No, what I haven't finished yet is um, Les Miserables. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. All 1,600 pages. Yeah, Les Mis, which begins with this forever long prologue about Jean Valjean when he was young, or what got him in. Yeah, before that. Right. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, John, you're right. Uh, Mark's gospel jumps right into it. When, and one of the things, um, and, and, and we, we, we both discussed this a bit, um, I'm struck uh, as, as I'm reading it. 
um, with a friend going through a study of Mark's gospel, uh, I'm struck by the the regular use um, in in the certainly the first part of the gospel of the the Greek word that's usually translated in English as immediately. It's everything's immediately, and immediately just did Jesus did this, and immediately he said that, and every it seems like every other sentence he's immediately doing or saying something. Right, that he's. Uh, um, that there's an urgency in yeah. that sense to the way Mark is writing that that he wants you to feel the urgency that he feels, I think, in that writing. Yeah, and you know that, and that this goes into and, and and we'll give another example in a minute. But um, I, I remember talking with uh, the question of translation because not all translations uh, obviously translate passages the same way. Um, unfortunately, uh, the the translation we hear at Mass from the New American Bible, Father, doesn't always translate immediately. So it, that that sense of urgency is sometimes left out, isn't it? Yes, I I am baffled. <laughs> Uh, the translation we use at Mass, um, I like it, but I'm still baffled by it sometimes that they don't catch some of these important little nuances uh, of the gospel, of things like having we're, to, to have this tone be expressed. I mean, especially in our own day where tone is so important. Um, we get into fights all the time over communication without tone. Right, right. Uh, thanks to text messages and emails and things like that. And so I think to, to have that tone as uh, the author originally wrote it is so important. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that, that's why, just frankly, if you're doing any, any sort of halfway serious Bible study, it's good to have multiple translations at hand because that, if it, that helps you pick up on the nuance. I remember a father asking um, one of my uh, professors for a, a scripture class um, in, in Rome, uh, what the best translation was, and he said, "Your own." So uh, <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> so we should all learn Greek, uh, Koine Greek, the Greek in which the New Testament was written. So and we, Hebrew, we, and Hebrew, uh, so that we can uh, read the Bible uh, in the text in which it was originally written. Unfortunately, that's not something that's immediately possible. In my case, I can, I can sort of uh, hammer out Greek slowly, but. I need English translations. Thank you very much. I tell you, it would not happen immediately. No. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. You're welcome. So one of the other things too, Father, uh, it, that um, I, I, I find interesting, and, and one scholar I mentioned in a minute um, brought this to light, is an interesting play with uh, verb tense in Mark's gospel that really I've never come across in most of the English translations that I've seen. Um, Mary Healy is a, a professor of scripture at um, Detroit Seminary, Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. And she's got a fantastic commentary in Mark's gospel um, in the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture series. And she points out um, th- that that Mark plays with um, the, the past and present tense uh, often in his gospel and has this interesting effect of of um, bringing the past into the present and vice versa. Uh, she gives an example from the, the ch- first chapter of Mark's gospel. Father, do you have a Bible in front of you by chance? I do. Would you mind reading, uh, w- w- what translation do you have? It's our favorite, the NAB. Okay. Could you read um, chapter one, verses 40 through 44, please? Gladly. I do have the Greek New Testament within arm's reach too, <laughs> if you want me to read the Greek. Uh, I prefer not, thank you. Okay. That might be a first on, uh, I don't know if there's any radio stations uh, or broadcasts originating out of South Dakota uh, where they've read Greek on the air. Probably not. 
We'll save that for our best of show. Ooh. End of the year special. <laughs> so uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 44. Yep. A leper came to him and, kneeling down, begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand. He touched him and said to him, I do will it be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. Then he said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. So this is uh, Mary Healy's literal translation, especially being attentive here to the, to the, the, the change in verb tense from past to present. Mm-hmm. A leper comes to him and kneeling down begs him and says, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. And he says to him, I do will it be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. Then he says to him, see that you tell no one anything. And, and she cuts off her, tra- her little translation there. But I don't know, Father, just when I, when I read that in Mary's commentary, I was, I was really um, struck by that, that switching back and forth and how I think it'd probably be hard to read it a little bit um, in, if, if it was always translated that way. But it does make clear that Mark is writing this gospel not just as a historical biography, but because it is the saving good news of Jesus Christ, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, but Mark does that within just the grammar that he uses. I think also uh, we might also think about uh, the fact for Mark uh, of the, the very clear notion that these things are still being done by Jesus through his body, the church. Ex- right, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Um, anything else with in, in terms of the intensity going right into the action? Any, anything else along those lines, Father, with the, um, the, 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 that strikes you, sticks out? Nope. Okay. So the other thing too, and we've talked about, we looked at this with Matthew's gospel, um, the question of the authorship. Of course, as with Matthew's gospel, um, the 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 author of Mark's gospel does not identify himself as Mark. That's something that has, from very early on in in uh, uh, church history, this gospel has been ascribed to Mark. Now, unlike Matthew's gospel, unlike Matthew himself, Mark was not one of the twelve. He wasn't one of Jesus's. Um, uh, inner circle, the, the, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. But he was very familiar with one of them um, and also very familiar with with one of the later apostles as well. So uh, who was the Mark to whom Jesus, uh, or to whom this gospel is ascribed? The first thing I think, Father, it's interesting for me, and I always, I, I, growing up, I remember a, a Sunday school uh, or a, sun, uh, a vacation Bible school, rather, um, one summer when I was in elementary school, learning about John Mark. Um, and for some reason, that name, put, describing his name as John Mark, always has this connotation of vacation Bible school for me. But Mark, Mark's, the author of Mark's gospel is called elsewhere in the New Testament, John Mark, which is really interesting thing, interesting to me uh, because it's one of those instances, as with Paul, where we see that, that Jews sometimes had both a, uh, a name that they used with their fellow Jews, but also a name that they used um, in, in the Greco-Roman world, the, the world of culture, the world um, that they existed in within the first century uh, 
Mediterranean basin, if you will. So, so John was his Hebrew name. Mark was his Greek name, which I think is just fascinating for some reason. I don't know about you. Uh, maybe I'm not as fascinated by that as you. I don't know why. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Why do we have two different, why, why, why two different names? You know? I don't know. Well, I mean, you look at, uh, I, I, you could flip it around. Why do we only have one name in That's kind fair. of All right, Anglo cultures? I mean, you look at uh, people from Hispanic cultures these days, you know, and uh, they've got uh, two, three different first names and four different last names. I know, but it's like, okay, hey, my name's, my name's Mark. My family calls me John. Like, what? <laughs> the, I, I don't know. I just, anyway. My name, you know, I'm Andrew, and most people call me Andy for well, a long time. I know, time. but that's. Anyway, okay. So, 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 who is this John Mark? Uh, who, who, uh, is, is traditional? Who flummoxes you so? Who, yeah, his name fascinates me so. Um, who is he? Well, the, the the connection with one of the twelve is he is, according to tradition, was was close with Saint Peter. Um, and in fact, Saint Peter refers to um, Mark in his. First letter. The first letter, according to St. Peter, chapter 5, verse 13, he refers to being in Babylon, um, code for Rome for him, and refers to uh, the fact that Mark is with him. So what's the significance of that and for the gospel, Father? The, 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 the fact that Mark or John Mark was close to Peter, what does that mean about Mark's gospel? Well, it gives it uh, authenticity, that uh, he knew uh, for sure and, and we'll see an, one, and we, we'll see here a second apostle that he knew, uh, gives it authenticity that he was near to the source, near to those uh, who who started it all, um, in that sense that he had direct contact with the eyewitness accounts, and probably not just um, from uh, Peter, but probably from some other apostles as well who might have come through Rome and, and visited Peter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That he would have known certainly Peter, but but potentially other apostles as well who had you know. So we we often you know Luke is Luke is very explicit in the opening of his gospel that he's done research and talked to eyewitnesses and so on. Mark doesn't come out and say that, but but based on the historical evidence we have of his connection and, and references in Scripture, his connection with Peter, um, it, it seems pretty clear that he would have known a number of those who would have had firsthand experience. With Jesus's public ministry, right, which gives us an assurance of the quality of his text. Right, right, right. Um, the, the, secondly, then, um, interestingly, so he not only knew uh, Peter, but he was also close with uh, probably the one of the most well known of the other early apostles, Saint Paul himself. Um, we read in Acts chapter thirteen that he was a companion of Saint Paul, um, and not only that, but we're also told in Saint Paul's letter to the Colossians that he, Mark, was a cousin of Barnabas, um, and and Father, this is you know. Oftentimes, I don't know, I'm struck by one of the things that, again, fascinates me um, about this is a connection again with Mark. Um, Paul went on missionary journeys and one of his closest companions was Barnabas. But something happened at some point and basically Paul and Barnabas like went separate ways. Like they got in some major fight and they went completely separate ways, which I don't, I don't know about you, but to me that they always, I'm, 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 I'm not glad to 
see, but but I, I guess I'm glad to, glad to see that, that sort of thing in the sense that they're real and they have disagreements and fights and arguments themselves. Um, but I'm still surprised to see that it re- referred to explicitly, explicitly in the Bible. Well, I mean, but they're human, and, and the fight obviously wasn't about content. No, right, right. Apparently, it was about Mark <laughs> because, because again, Mark Barnabas's cousin, Mark, for some reason, abandoned them in in one of the missionary journeys, and that was the spark for this disagreement that led Paul and Barnabas to go separate ways. So, um, I don't know what the lesson there is for us, but there you go. Sometimes I, things just have to switch. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, All splits aren't moral catastrophes. There we go. I'll, I'll, there we go. Well said. So, Father, any other general points about Mark? So we see so connection with St. Peter, connection with St. Paul as well. St. Paul who had the 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 powerful mystical experience uh, with, with our Lord and he, as he's on his way to Damascus, powerfully pre- proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles in particular. Um, anything about the connection with Paul in terms of Mark and his gospel that, that strikes you? No, I'd really like to move on from the general points to some spiritual points to keep in mind as we read through uh, the gospel during Advent and throughout the rest of the year. Great. So I think the, the, the first thing to keep in mind is are the opening words of the gospel itself, Father. So my translation, uh, which is the Revised Standard Version, the second Catholic edition, chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Father, I don't know, I think a lot of times I know that I I tend to, when I read the beginning of the gospels, including Mark's gospel, um, just sort of, even though, as, as we were saying earlier, Mark jumps right to the point, quickly to the point, I even blow past that opening uh, verse, but, which is, but I shouldn't because of its significance. The beginning of, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So just again, a reminder, as you were alluding to earlier, that this is about salvation. Right. And uh, uh, so it's about salvation, the importance of it. Uh, why is it good news? It's good news because it saves us. And also, too, it's good news because of who Jesus is, Um, you know, that he's—and this is a great spiritual theme all throughout it. uh, Why can he save? Because he is God. Right. And so often Mark is showing forth uh, in very Jewish terminology, very Old Testament terminology, appropriately enough, uh, of that Jesus is— the God of gods, that he has a mastery over elements and other forces in this world. Right. And, and, and he has come, as you said, to save us precisely from our sins. And he demonstrates his power as the son of God throughout the gospel. Um, anything else with that first verse that, that strikes you? Uh, no, I just think um, I just love that idea of, of the power of God. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I just, I just think it's important that we sit with, um, and, and allow ourselves to, to, in a sense, be, be struck by it. Um, I think the only other thing, the beginning reminds me of, of Genesis chapter one, the beginning as well there. This is the new beginning with the com- the, the, the coming of the new covenant, uh, with our savior, Jesus Christ. But, but we, we can move on from that. It's just a minor, relatively minor point. But I know you had a couple things in terms of spiritual points that you wanted to get to. So I'll, I'll let you uh, speak to both of those. Yeah, um, I think uh, just uh, the and it, it, it starts it starts early on the idea of the primacy of repentance, 
um, Jesus' first words to repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, all throughout Mark's gospel, there, you know, part of that immediacy is the immediacy of what repentance, to turn away from uh, sin and turn towards Jesus and the Lord, uh, Jesus who is Lord. Um, one of the great things, you know, to for all you Greek uh, nerds out there, all you uh, lovers of Greek, um, and I'm not just talking about euros, um, but uh, the word for repentance and conversion, metanoia, has this idea of turning away from one thing and turning towards a second thing, which is just a powerful image of repentance. Right, right. Turning away from sin and tor- turning towards God. Um, and I think that just it's 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 all throughout that uh, that gospel is that, and it's it's also part of this repentance is a reconfiguring of what it means uh, to be a follower of God. Uh, for the people in Jesus's own day, to be a follower of God meant to be uh, uh, a follower of the ceremonial Jewish laws. We talked a bit about that in our uh, our Matthew episode. About, uh, but now we're gathering ourselves around the person of Jesus, and it's all the more intense and urgent in Mark's gospel of this repentance uh, to be around the person of Jesus. That it's that it's about him and not just about his teachings or the good things that he did, but it's about the as you said the person of Christ. Gotcha. And it's not just about repentance of and and, and repentance isn't just about giving up sin. Okay. So I think we can focus on that. Oh, you sinner, you did this, this. And so uh, being a Christian is more than just being free from sin. What else is it? It's being a follower of Jesus, an imitator mm, of Jesus, right. someone who tries to conform themselves to the life of Jesus, which gets us to that second main spiritual point. Which, so go ahead, please. Sorry. Uh, which is discipleship. You could have introduced it. It would have been fine. <laughs> I tried to tee that up for you. I, I know that was kind of you. So following Christ, uh, we, 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 even though we will continue, as as you noted um, in our in our discussion before, we'll continue to fail, but we continue to turn back and to continue to follow the person of Christ. Right, um, and in a sense, in 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 the in Mark's gospel, almost essentially all the disciples fail. You know, um, he tells them again and again, destroy this body, and in three days I will rebuild it, right? The body of his temple. And very explicitly talking about that. And then when he dies, you know, no one goes there looking for the resurrection. Right. You know, the uh, the women come with burial spices for his dead body. Right. Problem, you know, they must not have heard what he said. Right. Um, but yeah, that we're called to follow him. And, you know, we could go into some things with a little more time that we don't have about, uh, the time in which Mark was writing the time of the early church and that to be a follower of Jesus probably meant worldly failure and death, but that, that goes hand in hand with being a follower of Jesus. So as you said, there's, there is so much, even though it's the shortest gospel, but that doesn't mean that it's the shallowest. Uh, there is so much in there that, that, that we could, we can spend and we'll spend the entire, entire liturgical year unpacking. Right. And that, that's one of the great things about being able to stick with the gospel for a whole year. Amen. So we, maybe we'll come back to Mark's gospel at some point in the future, maybe unpack it more. Uh, but for now, that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. I can, again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet to us, SF Diocese, hashtag Ignition, with any questions you might have. 
And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock on Lamb Catholic Radio on 91.3 FM in Hartford and Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.